Hey, welcome to Scratching the Surface. I'm Jared Fuller, and this is a podcast all about curating. On this week's episode, I have a truly fascinating conversation with the curator, art historian, and educator, James Voorhees. James is the chair of the Graduate Program in Curatorial Practice and a professor of fine arts at the California College of Arts. He's also the director of the Curatorial Research Bureau, which is this uh, bookshop learning site and exhibition space in San Francisco, and is the author of a, a really interesting book called Beyond Objecthood, the Exhibition as a Critical Form Since 1968. Curating is something that I've had a, a, an interest in for a long time now, and I was curious to talk to James about the history and theory of curatorial practice, but also the interesting intersections between curation and criticism. And, and James is someone whose work really straddles both of those lines. So in this episode, James and I talk about what it means to be a curator. He, he describes the three components or the three roles of curation as one of caretaking, of mediation, and administration. And I really loved these roles. And so these three kind of roles or components become a sort of guide through this conversation as we talk about criticism and teaching and theory and even how administration can be a type of creative practice. I loved this conversation and personally felt like I just got so much out of it. It was a, a true pleasure to have James on the show. Remember, if you're a fan of the podcast and want to help support it, you can become a member for $5 a month or $50 a year. Members get an exclusive monthly newsletter that features behind-the-scenes content, links and articles from former guests about design and writing and criticism, as well as previews of the upcoming episodes. Scratching the Surface is fully supported through these memberships, so if you like the show and want to help with its ongoing production, I hope that you consider joining. Thank you for listening and enjoy this conversation with James Voorhees. I know you got a PhD in art history. What about before that? Were you always interested in art? How did you kind of uh, get into this this field? Um, yeah, I mean, I've been interested in art for for years, even yeah, as a young person in high school, and then particularly like an undergraduate, and you know, taking to and being fascinated by all the art history classes um, I studied at Ohio State University. And so, and I think also just in the early days surrounding myself in different art departments and with students and who are studying fine arts. And so art and sort of, I guess you could say, the creative process has, has been part of my life for, for a very long time. Were you always, you mentioned kind of being drawn to the art history classes. Were you, was it the history that interested you? then was it the the making part what was your kind of way into it i mean I, th I think art history for me and and others um can be also learning about the social behind the history the mm. social behind the aesthetics and so we come up looking at these different iconic paintings by matisse and van gogh and so forth but then when you sit particularly like in an undergraduate history class and kind of a whole world unfolds about the different communities of and politics and, right. and you know and i think that begins to, for some people and i think for me to take hold um and to see and you're inspired by how the, how these artists uh created something in response to their present conditions and I, obviously that's still happening 
I kind of hate asking this question, but <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do it anyway. What did you? What kind of career did you imagine for yourself? Then, where you know, were were you interested in being a historian? Yeah, I think that's a good question today. It's particularly because I think students coming into undergraduate and particularly graduate programs already kind of have a an idea of what they want to do. I mean, yeah. I came up in an era where I went to college and I explored different options and the professionalization of like the artist figure or the curator wasn't quite so ingrained as it is today. So yeah. I feel really lucky because I just studied and I just took classes and I also lived like a life of a 20 year old and out <laughs> with friends and, yeah. and I, I don't think I cared a lot and I've always been really over conscientious, but I, I mean, frankly, I did not know what a curator was when I was studying art history. It wasn't until much later in the undergraduate and into the graduate, you one begins to realize like these are the options for for studying art history at that time. And when you realized, or when you discovered curating or the idea of curator. Was that kind of immediately, oh, this brings together all this stuff that I'm interested in? This seems like a path forward? It it did to a point. I think the most transformative time was right after graduate school. I was working at the Brooklyn Museum and had a really amazing position just as an assistant, but for the assistant to the chief curator. And at that time, you know, the museum, the chief curator oversaw 11 or 12 different curatorial departments. And so as the only assistant in there, we were a very small team. And I had a perspective of like the different acquisition process, the different ways in which the work was being cared for, the different ways in which artwork was being requested to, for loan out to different exhibitions. And so... It was more immersed in a professional environment that I became aware of, like, the possibilities of working in the arts and, like, what is the role of the curator as both, like, a caretaker, um, an administrator, and a mediator. And, and those, 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 those qualities um, I was attracted to. I really, I actually really like that, and it sets up a big list of questions that I wanted to talk to you about, but I really like what you just said about a curator being a caretaker, an administrator, and um, and a mediator. And I, I've talked to a bunch of people on the podcast who have done curating. I've talked to some curators before. Curating is something that's always been very interesting to me, um, but I admittedly have never done any myself i curated a small show when i was in grad school of uh kind of critical graphic design to to kind of visualize the thesis work that i was doing but that's it but i i find the process of curating or the role of the curator as, as you just said to be very interesting and a lot more to it than i think it sometimes can seem can you talk more about those three positions and how you see those uh, embodying the role of the curator? Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the, the role of the curator, I think, has changed so much even in the last 10 years, but particularly yeah. over the last 20 years because of one who went into, let's say, more of a museum field or a contemporary art space. And a large part of that was like caring for the objects that had been stored in, in the museum and then and then, and then, how those objects make it into into the future and continue to be 
continue to be relevant. And so mm-hmm. I think, I, I, I know that over the last 10 years, 15 years, the caretaker has been one um, transformed more into um, like a mediator. And so mm. because of like the way in which we consume culture today and how the increasing popularization of contemporary art and pervasiveness within like just popular uh, contemporary culture. And so, you know, I, th- I think um, one going into the curatorial field today has a number of different options that are open to them. One, of course, is this, you know, a caretaker um, that is in a museum that's stewarding a collection, um, thinking about not only the preservation of it, but how mm. uh, archival work is relevant to contemporary culture. Right. And then I think another thing I, p- people often overlook, like, because the curator has such a kind of almost kind of glamorous sort of perception today because of the way Instagram yeah. portrays everyone marshalling across the globe to different events yeah. and so forth. But I know that a lot of curators would agree that like the administrivia that's involved mm. with curating is really quite um, significant. And I've always looked at administration as a, as a, also a different kind of creative outlet and how to like inhabiting an institution and working within certain administration uh, components um, actually have a way of changing. And then that might go to the third thing, mediation, like, so like how does the work how does one engage with the work of art and we've come a long way since the work is placed on the wall and you know there's a label that informs how one's supposed to you know and so i think today the creativity is is also increasingly around like mediation yeah and it's it's interesting because i read i read your book um, Beyond Objecthood that came out a couple years ago now mm-hmm. um, in, in preparing for this. And what struck me, and I'm, I'm kind of admittedly embarrassed to even say this out loud, as somebody who's kind of really rooted in critical practice, and especially in, in design criticism, I was struck by how reductive my own kind of definition of curating was that even just I kind of was, you know, when I think about it, often it is just that kind of arranging of things mm-hmm. on, on the wall or the or the caretaker part. And I think that mediation part, while I obviously knew that that was there, I hadn't really thought about it that deeply until spending time time with with your book. And I think there's something really interesting about the curator also being a type of critic and that through the arrangement of these things through the, I mean, through the other roles that you talked about through both um, caretaker and administrator, that that is kind of a critical activity in mm-hmm. and of itself. And I talked to Prem Krishnamurthy, who's a designer and a curator and he talks about how both design and curating are kind of the same thing. They're kind of taking a bunch of disparate parts and arranging them in a way to have some sort of larger meaning when put together in that order. And I'm wondering if you could kind of talk about that last part, that mediating part, and Mm -hmm. especially how that, you know, the role that that plays in culture today, when, like you said, 
everybody thinks that they're a curator now by curating their Spotify playlists and yeah. Instagram feeds, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I know Prim and um, like, yeah, we have overlapping thoughts around this. I think, I mean, I think this, these three components and even particularly like the mediation is, is I'm very attracted to that aspect because I, I think there's a level of criticality, like you say, as well as creativity that goes into like bringing together objects that may or, and ideas and spaces and situations um, and films or that may mm-hmm. at first seem disparate and they could come from a more historical place and an archive or they could be hyper contemporary and produced right now or in the moment. And so I think the challenge of the, the curator today is how do you bring together disparate ideas and these so that people uh, encounter them and leave with something more. And so mm. the curatorial field, and I believe like a curator of contemporary art and culture is, um, it's also has such a high level of education. And so when right. you are putting together something, generally speaking, and for myself in particular, you don't want to alienate an audience or alienate a spectator or someone. So mm-hmm. how do you create a space that's both like, intellectually challenging, creatively, visually appealing and immersive or or attractive um, and appealing to all of our senses. And, um, but, but don't, you don't, you don't, you don't want spectators or people to walk away. You want them to walk away with something more than what they came with. Right. How I, I'm fascinated with ideas of audience. And especially when I talk to writers and especially writers who are kind of writing about really complex subjects and breaking them down in a way that it is accessible, kind of like what you're just saying for somebody who's not in the field, maybe, and finding that balance between kind of writing for an audience who maybe doesn't know anything about the thing you're writing about Mm -hmm. until they read it, but also still keeping interested the people that do know and don't mm-hmm. feel like they're being talked down to. And I find that balance really interesting. And I feel like curating that's got to be even more amplified because it's happening in space. You're demanding more of people's time. Do you think about who's going to walk through a space when you're curating an exhibition or an, or an event? How do you kind of think about that and, and figure out that, that balance there? Yeah, always. And I think it's because uh, like always, and I, it's part of like just coming, I'm, I care about people. I, I also care that people don't feel uncomfortable around complex ideas. And I think it's coming out of a a space of higher education and probably just who I am. And so I, Mm -hmm. but I also don't appreciate, you know, a kind of like, like you say, talking down to, to like, audiences. So I've been increasingly using like the word constituent also because audience or spectator, all these different terms imply different um, ways in which one is is supposed to engage. So like thinking about constituents across the board, that might be uh, an undergraduate student who is encountering um, conceptual art for the first time or an experienced like curator and art historian and I think I think the balance is 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 achievable, and it's achievable in different ways. Like, um, for example, like exhibitions when I was in Ohio that I made 
uh, at Columbus College of Art and Design and a couple at the Carpenter Center um, at Harvard, we didn't have labels. And one mm. included, that's a simple, but also often a, a complex um, question in institutions because you, one makes decision to allow visitors to engage with the work and the juxtaposition of the work on their own terms. And, right. but then how do you still provide like a written guide um, so that people can learn more or feel comfortable with walking into a space that doesn't have a label. Someone's that's not comfortable or not will often walk to a label because it helps ground the experience. Um, but it's also really great to just be inside a space and see the visual connections and not be told what it's about. And so I, th I think just in terms of making an exhibition in a physical space, one can be attentive to all those in such a way that you, you take into account the breadth of experiences that constituents have. I, I want to continue this this kind of track that that you're on right now of about the the process itself, and I, I don't mean for this to be too um, too simplified. Like I don't want to walk through your process of of curating an exhibition, but I'm I'm interested in how uh, how that process begins, I guess. And what what strikes me about so much of of your work is how it kind of embodies everything that we're talking about. I feel like so many of the exhibitions that you put that you've staged, so many of the events that you've put on are these kind of um, kind of meta exhibitions about art making or mm -hmm. about creative practice or even mm -hmm. about <laughs> curating mm -hmm. itself. Um, mm -hmm. Where, where does that come from? Is that just, uh, is that kind of coming from a questioning of your own work? Is this, do you meet somebody and you're like, I want to kind of do something around this person? Where, how do these kind of things start to to happen and bubble up and turn into things? Yeah, that's a good question. And yeah, um, I at the heart of things, I'm really interested in the structural sort of factors that influence how we engage with things, with material world, mm -hmm. with ideas, and. And I, I just think structurally, so when you begin to dissect like the art world and um, way back also when I was studying undergraduate or even particularly in the early years for the masters, like um, institutional critique became, you know, right. on my radar. And I began to think about Andrea Frazier and Luis Lawler and um, mm -hmm. Daniel Biran and, and um, Michael Asher's. And so those the those artists um as well as in later like new institutionalism the the curators that you know took up to a certain degree this internal constant constant critique of an art institution and how it connects with this constituent so i i think it comes from an, an interest in the, the structural ways in which that are set up in society of how we consume um ideas and, and, and right. culture. Um, and then, but I think also making, then laying that out, we, I, we had, I organized, um, what I thought was a really wonderful series called experience it here, which in collaboration oh, yeah. with the nonprofit space called the lab. And we, I invited, um, artists to come in and, and uh, like John Raffman, Martin Sims, Sharon Hayes, and, 
part of that was talking about their work within um, and how they use the physical space of an exhibition, um, a gallery, mm-hmm. and how they like basically solicit and bring spectators in in what we're increasingly calling like these immersive environments or these um, time-based experiences. And part of that conversation was to really help demystify uh, their working process and how they work with Mm -hmm. the hurdles of an institution, collaborate with curators, think about like the spectator, think about design in, in those, um, in those works. And, and, and that I guess speaks, I haven't thought about it, but that speaks to what you just said too, of like, you know, kind of revealing these, these the way an institution behaves and yeah. functions so Here, hearing you say that i have something that i hope will turn into a question mm-hmm. uh, as a designer i when i think about the types of design writing that i'm interested in or, or even you know the the design uh exhibitions that i that i've gone to and the discourse around design that most interests me um is kind of the question behind the question or the thing behind the thing. I'm interested in the process. I'm interested in how it lives in the world. I'm interested in how it influences uh, and reacts to things that it comes in contact with. And I'm less interested in the actual object or artifact itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I'm, I, I used to be one of those designers that had a list of favorite typefaces and I, I loved you know, looking at, at that kind of stuff. And that's just not where my interest in design is anymore. And what, what hearing you talk about, what it's making me think about is, and I know, I know your book is called Beyond Objecthood. So maybe that is the answer, but I'm curious where, if, if anywhere, the object or the artifact, how that fits into this process, um, or, or is that just a part of it and, and isn't the most important part? You know yeah. what I mean? I do know what you mean. I think it's a really good question. I think it's perceptive of, you know, of, of my interest in work because it is like, I, 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 I have a tendency, um, in exhibitions and, are to sweep through things sometimes um, <laughs> because I get it or I don't want to, I just like, I'm interested, right. in, I'm interested in materials and I'm interested in the way things are made. I'm interested probably more in the way they're placed and um, mm. how they relate to a space. And even more so I'm interested in the discourse or the ideas that are around right. all of that. And that's why I have a tendency to, um, look for different publications and others things that are related to an exhibition or an object that unfurls it and allows you to like you know in your own private space of the mind and often home like take in more information about a work and so i i i do i do under, under understand your your perception in relation to design because i think it mine is comparable to some degree in relation to like yeah. the object, the art object as a thing. Um, I think I'm interested in the art object as a discourse and idea and concept. And then how does that, how does that then, you know, manifest itself in an exhibition, especially when I guess, I guess kind of to, to reframe the question a little bit, what what's interests me is kind of 
so much of your work is very much about um, like bringing people together and and starting the conversation and less about just showing a bunch of of work. Mm -hmm. Um, So where does that artifact or that object have a place within your kind of larger curatorial project, if at all? I, I think it has a place in my project in relation to the artist, um, mm-hmm. even more than yeah. the actual object. And so also maybe going back to the idea of structure or how things are, are made, not, not how they're made, but like where they come from. Like I'm, I'm often right. interested in having an artist engage with me or in the public around the ideas that fuel the making of their objects and not to say that the objects are like not important, but it's like, how do you um, dissect the, 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 the ideas that come in, not only the making of it, but the presentation of it, because, you know, like how does the object uh, come to the public realm? And many things we know about a work of art or an artist, we've actually never experienced in person yet. We still Mm. have a level of appreciation for it I I do um, yeah. that is uh, as if I've seen this thing and so yeah I I want to I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about teaching I've, that's another big part of of mm-hmm. your work and and I'm really interested in the connections and relationships between being a curator and being a teacher and I feel like just in the time we've been talking today that the way we think about our work is actually very similar. And when I started teaching, I was uh, kind of pleasantly surprised by how much of being in the classroom felt like a design project, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's like very literally designing slides or the syllabus, but also kind of designing the structure of a lecture or designing the framework to allow a discussion in a critique felt like something that I knew, even though I had never taught a class before. Mm-hmm. Um and the way you're talking about curating and especially talking about constituencies and leaving with something more, I'm assuming that there are a lot of connections between curating and teaching. How do those things come together for you? Yeah, I think I, 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 I think teaching um, and a, a seminar, a classroom, like it is similar to curating because also you have a framework, you have a, a right. you have a space, you have um, a, 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 a limited number of students, you have a time frame, um, and so it's it's like a kind of beautiful challenge in that way. So how do you put together um, a series of resources and readings and experiences that? are going to complement and build on the concept of the, of in the direction of the course. And so you also, I also like tend to want to design everything from the look of the syllabus um, and how it's online to the way the images are are presented and archived in a, in a site so that, so that the, so that the total experience of a seminar or a class is from the moment one goes in and they present the syllabus to like the, how the right. students engage with the content afterwards and the look of the PDF packets and so forth. And, and so those are my one's constituents. And so you, yeah. and in this instance too, like teaching is a lot about like making exhibitions or programs because one can say that you're just 
you know, delivering information and knowledge, but I never have thought about that teaching as that way. I've always thought about it as like pointing attention and always right. encouraging them to want to know more and to like instill a level of curiosity that's um, like palpable in that way. Yeah. I mean, now, even now that I think about it, you, you could take those three roles that you were talking mm. about for the curator, the the caretaker, mediator, and administrator, and directly apply those to to teaching too. Mm -hmm. it, it's actually all the same same thing. I think it is too. I mean, first, even in terms of caretaker, you have you have content um, that needs to be mediated in a way that isn't alienating to the students, and therefore also encouraging them and creating a, a really a, a space where you build their level of self-confidence around not knowing something and that they can ask a lot of questions. So you're, you're caring for how the, what the content is, how it's put in there, and then what kind of space one creates in the space of a seminar. And I always really, it's always really important because I'm, I'm rather introverted and was shy in class. And, you know, how do you create a space to where those students can feel comfortable asking questions. Um, yeah. And then the administration, of course, is like uh, like following up, um, making sure that, that everything is administered in terms of the readings, in terms of the next class, in terms of the design of the syllabus. And then, of course, the mediation can be come from another perspective, the way one directs the conversation within the class, but also... You, know, you don't just throw a really complex uh, <clears throat> upper level kind of, um, I don't know, reading by, by Foucault when you want to introduce like where the, that philosophy was coming from first. So, yeah, 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 it's it's actually really funny kind of I feel like how similar <laughs> how similar we are. Like I, I also was, was like you were I was a very introverted um, kid, especially um in in like high school and, and undergrad and i've since become more comfortable mm -hmm. um speaking out in class but it's funny it's really funny to people who have known me for a long time that so much of my job now is talking to people for this podcast or standing in front of a room of people mm -hmm. <laughs> talking it's like very not <laughs> what people would have guessed from me mm -hmm. um but all that to say that's the thing that i feel like i think about the most in, in the classroom is how do I create a space where everybody feels comfortable contributing? And it's not just the few people that are extroverted that like to talk a lot. And, and that's, that's even kind of where I was thinking about the caretaker part also is just caring for the, uh, like the health of the class mm -hmm. also is yeah. something that's kind of curatorial mm -hmm. in, in a sense that I've never thought of that way before. Yeah. And those figures too that you one always likes to hear from students who have a lot to say, but it's also the responsibility to, you know, not allow those voices to take too much prominence with each class. So you, over time, I think probably with age, I've learned how to like <clears throat> direct those conversations better so that you don't also right. just, you're not unkind to those students who contribute so much, but at the same time you encourage the other voices to, to, to take more prominence too. And I think right. that comes, so we're also just talking, all of this is also like design. Yeah. Yeah, in, exactly. In that way. Yeah. It, it's so funny to me. And I, I talk about this all the time with, with other faculty and even with my students that, that teaching is a type of design in some way. And that, that, 
being in the classroom to me now feels like my practice uh, in a way that I didn't really expect when I started teaching. I thought it was going to be this thing that I kind of did on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that feels like my design practice, which uh, I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't expect it to kind of flow so uh, easily from what I had thought of as graphic design to the type of quote unquote design that I'm doing now. Yeah. I think more faculty as well as like artists and curators and others and administrators could learn how to interweave those like classroom responsibilities with the practice. I mean, even when I, while I was teaching at Bennington college, like that was the time when I was writing beyond objecthood, there were a couple of classes just sorting through like Walter Benjamin with a group of like, (laughs) you know, intellectually engaged and curious students, you know, term after term or, or, or Brecht or something. And you, yeah. as an instructor, like you really begin to understand these texts that you think you understand um, because you've opened up frameworks to like explore them together with, with students who like ask lots of questions, you know, that you don't yeah. have the answers for either. <clears throat> right. Right. I mean, I totally, I feel like I set up all of my classes to, be based around the things that the questions that I have and the things that I want to spend more time with. And so by creating that framework, I'm learning just as much as the students, hopefully. Mm-hmm. It's nice. That's an, it's a nice way to like interweave the different responsibilities of how, you know, like whatever art historians, curators, designers yeah. need to exist or find themselves existing. Exactly. So are you teaching are you teaching classes on curating? Are you teaching art history classes? What types of classes are you teaching? Here at California College of the Arts, I'm responsible for teaching a, a, a class that fits into the module called Global Art Worlds. And um, it's a combination of both art history, a kind of survey of, of recent <clears throat> curatorial voices and, 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 and theory um, with like exhibitions. And so, for example, like... Um, you know, last year I taught the class and we looked at a number of different voices like, um, you know, Oquion Weezer and Uta Meta Bauer and um, um, Spivak. And, and so, and then we, we read more than one text by the authors so that the students become very familiar with the, the discourse by a selection of like, say, 10 figures. And then we look at that um, those texts within the con- context of the different exhibitions or biennials that, that the figures have made, not all of them, but some of them. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's great because also like, for example, going through Venice this year, so I'll teach the same class in the spring and it, and, you know, part of the gathering the different photos and, and talking. So for example, like two years ago and Imhoff's, um, exhibition in Venice was really fascinating for me at the German pavilion. So like introducing that um, and video around it and, and talking about what she did was, it also just felt like really, I wouldn't say urgent, but like a, of the moment to have material directly from, well, in that class, it was also like Documenta and Munster and Venice had all happened. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I, I, the, the reason I was kind of asking that, and again, I don't mean to keep, drawing parallels to graphic design specifically, but I'm very interested in, especially in, in education and in, in teaching these types of practices, the, uh, 
the the balance or the overlap or the split that sometimes happens between uh, kind of teaching practice versus teaching theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, not to turn this conversation into everything that I do as a teacher, but in whether I'm teaching a, a seminar class or a, a more studio design class, I always try to bridge that gap. So, so no matter what type of class it is, <laughs> students are reading and thinking about this and not just making things. Yeah. Um, but, but there is that, that balance between the practice and the theory. And I was curious how that works in a curatorial program. How much of the, the someone who's studying to be a curator, is it, the kind of practice, the staging, the uh, the organizing versus the theory, the history, the the kind of critical side of it. Yeah, I I, th- I think I mean all of those are very important. I think in in the curatorial program, but also I think just also in in the graduate the fine arts program. I think mm-hmm. yeah. like writing and how do you dissect complex ideas um, beyond the actual material object that one makes but see a practice as as more wide-ranging that encompasses whether it's writing as part of the practice but a, a writing as sorting through of ideas right and i think the challenges for a two-year curatorial practice program um, can be how do you uh, combine like theory writing as well as like an exposure and also de- yeah. delivery of opportunities to to practice because yeah y- you one also needs a substantial amount of information from art history um to create a kind of grounding of where these some of these ideas are coming from and also vi- visual culture and so in our in our program it it, has, it does i believe like a a, a really occupies a really interesting place because it intentionally like interweaves theory and practice, you know, in the early part of it, giving students lots of tools around writing and, and, and mm. the, um, their history and theory courses. And then the second year, the students make an exhibition collaboratively. Um, oh, interesting. So they're, they're rather than like an, singularly selecting an artist or coming up with an idea for a group exhibitions, the students are directed throughout the whole second year of study to work together to like decide on a project and stuff like that. So how has, um, how has being a teacher, has that changed or, or, you know, even just as you're kind of figuring out how to talk about these things to students, has that changed how you think about your role as a curator or how you even think about the place of the curator through, uh, through teaching? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, it's been, um, it's, it's been both beneficial as well as challenging. I think coming in to CCA first as like Dean of Fine Arts mm-hmm. as well as, and now as the chair, because I've always had one sort of, you could say, foot in an art institution, making exhibitions, producing publications, and then always teaching, which I've loved doing because it kind of fuels the imagination. Um, but I think when yeah. directing uh, graduate programs today, higher education, generally speaking, whether it's in an art school or a university, is in a particularly challenging place because of the economics that are associated with uh, higher education in the United States and uh, mm-hmm. the need for education to um, 
produce a, a definable product. And it's challenging for me because I come from a background or I have a really strong philosophy that we we gain the tools to think critically about the world, engage with one another in society and contribute forward, something forward. Um, and here today, generally speaking, um, students want to know what can I do with this degree and how can I sustain myself? And, and so I think for, in terms of curating, I, I, I think the curatorial and curatorial education is really valuable because it, it, again, going back to what we started earlier, it teaches one to think critically about many different things. And then, then you need to put together the words and thoughts and ideas of how you, um, I guess, um, you know, are, are, are interpreting those, those ideas. Um, I'm not super being super clear, but yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. And it's kind of surprising to hear me, to hear you say that, you know, even, even your students are kind of like, okay, how am I going to get a job yeah. with this? And, and that, cause that's kind of why I asked about the earlier question about the theory versus the practice and that balance, because especially in a, in a field like graphic design, which is so connected to service, um, often the theory gets kind of pushed to the side. And I can't tell you how many students, even at a graduate level in writing classes and seminar classes are kind of like, why are we doing this? Is this going to help me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is this going to help me get a job? (laughs) And, and it is, it's that kind of critical component that, I think, yeah, you can't put this in your portfolio necessarily, but it's going to give you a new way of looking at things or writing as a new part or a new tool in your toolbox and kind of working through problems that, yes, it is going to help you. But also, I understand the financial constraints of like, you're spending all this money on grad school and you need to get a job. I was there, but also like don't worry about that yet but i feel irresponsible saying that you know, you know what i mean i know it's tough because this goes back also to what we talked to like myself coming up of course i don't you know i wanted a job and i would think about what a career might be but the specificity of that wasn't at yeah. all defined and i think students coming in speaking from a curatorial practice perspective and thinking that they will leave the program with a position at moma um that that is that may have been the case, or even at Momo, that's an example, like a number of years ago. But the curatorial field has changed so much. Where I think what what I am trying to do, and I hope we're, we're increasingly more successful, is like providing different perspectives about how one can engage with contemporary culture um, through the right. curatorial and through like also different education departments and institutions, different publishing projects, different, um, different public programmings. And also a little bit like what you start out as like, how do you participate in contemporary culture through through a number of different avenues? um, Right. Which can be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And hard and tiring. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And administrative, um, like that has so much administrative right. to it, to it as well. Follow up, et cetera. Yeah. 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 I'm glad, I'm glad that you brought up the administrative side because I have like three more questions to kind of start to wrap up the conversation, but that was a piece that I wanted to return to. 
um, because you are the, you're not just a, an educator. You're also the chair of a program. You were the dean of a, of a program. And you mentioned really early in the conversation that you see the administrative work as a type of creative practice also. And I, uh, you know, admittedly, as a somewhat newer teacher, the, the more I've been in academia and the institution have found this weird draw to the administrative side. It's like, that's something that's interesting that I kind of want to learn more about, but it seems so against this kind of creative background that I come from. Can you talk about how you see that as a creative mm -hmm. practice or, or kind of maybe even as someone who comes from a creative background, who's now operating in that space? How do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's, that's a good question. I think this also goes back to your earlier question of just, um, like where I responded that like the structure of things uh, mm. appeals to me and thinking about like structurally how we engage with inst yeah. institutions, for example. So I, I think, I mean, like how does one um, occupy a position within an institution that has the potential to create a level of change? And so uh, you, you, how does one utilize the framework of an institution to um, potentially redirect or slightly move to the side the direction of a fine arts program um, mm -hmm. so that fine arts is thought of as much more wide ranging um, beyond the, uh, you know, material of painting or the material of, of like um, right. video. And so, and I think for me, within the curatorial practice program, like how does one use the knowledge of the administration of that program, as well as the inner workings of, in this case, like two institutions, Yerba Buena Center for the Arts and California College of Arts, to create a kind of space within those institutions, like Curatorial Research Bureau, that is mm -hmm. um, utilizing um, the different resources of, of communication of like place to, 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 to inhabit that in such a way that, that we, the students potentially are, are having an experience that is not possible without the melding of those, those administrations, um, for right. example. And I, I did the similar thing at the, or I took the similar perspective at the Carpenter Center, you know, like yeah. as director of the Carpenter Center, like how do you, work with like we introduced something called institution building there working with artist martin beck at first and then renee green oh yeah and then like that was a two-year residency for in in this case the one i stewarded was martin to to come on repeated basis to look at the history of the carpenter center and teaching at heart teaching the arts at harvard but i saw it as providing like i i saw it as like opening up and providing support for that research, both like intellectually by engaging with Martin as well as the different resources. And that was done through essentially like, yeah, inhabiting that institution differently. Yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting. I feel like I could talk to you about that for another, <laughs> I know. another, another hour or so. I have so many questions. Um, I have, I have two more questions, and these are two questions that I use to end all of these conversations. And the first one is, I'm, I would like to hear more about the things that you're thinking about right now and working on right now. And I, I did see that you're working on a new book um, called Binding Agents. Mm -hmm. 
And so I would love to hear a little bit about that and then also just kind of other things that you are thinking about or excited about right yeah. now. Yeah, I'm excited. But the, I'm working on this called, book called Binding Agents. And right now it has a kind of a long subtitle um, toward an aesthetic of the post-colonial in contemporary exhibition. And I'm actually, I'm going to Istanbul on Friday and then on, on oh. the Cairo and Amman as part of the research um, oh, wow. for this. Oh, wow, nice. That book is focusing in part on like small scale arts institutions and looking at how they engage with the communities physically surrounding them um, and are able to create different kinds of spaces where art and culture can intersect in those institutions. But also they're both their connection to like um, larger contemporary discourse, mostly in the West, one could say. So mm-hmm. like how, what is the West's sort of impact on activity that's happening, for example, like in Cairo and Amman and how do, for example, like visiting voices come in and both like um, teach, one could say, but also, um, you, you know, affect the, the localities of, of activity. And, huh, that's interesting. And then it's all, part of it's also looking at um, large scale biennials and how like Documenta is, is increasingly presenting uh, work that looks at um, border displacements and histories of colonialism and decolonialism um, mm-hmm. as lar- long, often as long-term projects that artists are working on and the challenges of like essentially showing a core sample of a long-term research-based project. Um, and so, and so thinking about that. And then the third one is about the third chapter in that is about publications and, oh, and the role that publications play today in circulating around the world and introducing many of us who are attentive to activity in contemporary art and design, um, like ac- activity that we may not have access to otherwise. And so just the important role, mostly of printed matter, but also s- somewhat o- online as well. So that's, oh, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I and so do project. you, you're, so I, obviously you're in the research phase right now. When, when do you see that? Coming that out. probably has two more years to work on. This is the last, this trip is the last trip. And then the, I'll, do finish a lot more writing this winter and so yeah okay nice yeah i can't wait that sounds It'll great good yeah and then we i we it's we just are also um i work really closely with uh, nate padovic who's my boyfriend for many many years and who's really co- good collaborator um on most of the work that i've done with bureau of open culture and curatorial research mm-hmm. bureau and we just launched something called 100 books which is a Right. I mean, working at the Curatorial Research Bureau last year, we just had such an influx of amazing inventory, but it was difficult to decipher exactly what it was. It was all part of like a literature and, and curating and design. So we have decided to make it more specific. So it's it's books that are on the, the curatorial and design, but also how it's connected to exhibitions and biennials and then the role of the archive. and. Um, so it's it's a way it's a way actually to also just specifically articulate a revolving set of 100 titles that we're going to present at the bookshop and that we hope can you know make available here elsewhere that aren't easy 
we 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 brought back a, a lot of books in our bags and stuff from um Berlin <laughs> that don't yeah. easily come over and stuff. So because of yeah, you you know how it is ship shipping and yeah. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah, yeah, it's a great project. It actually like perfectly leads into what my last question okay. was going to be, and and hopefully this is not too big of a question, but you know, kind of thinking about all of this that we talked about. What are the books or the authors that have really influenced the way you think about these things? Or or even if someone's kind of interested in curating or has read your book, where would you point them next um, as kind of influential texts or books kind of a, around curation, criticism, contemporary practice? Yeah, I, I think, I mean... I, or should we just send them to 100 we books? Send them, well, they're <laughs> there, that's books. for sure. But not all of them. And actually, I was just thinking, because like... Um, Maria Maria Lenz is a Swedish curator who um, is now based. In, I don't know that. Yet. She's amazing. She's incredible. She's she's um, she's uh, run a number of different programs in Munich and in Stockholm and um, and most recently she was director of a, a small space uh, just north of Stockholm called Tensta Kunsthall and it was a, she ran an exhibition program there for i think almost 8 years that brought in a number of different contemporary artists but also created different platforms around food um that addressed the uh, wide range of um of uh, uh, of immigrants who live in Tensta now um mm-hmm. from from Syria Iraq and uh from Ethiopia and many other many other places and but she has a book called Selected Writings that was now it's been a number of years that was put out. Mm-hmm. But I often direct students and others to her book because it's both different catalog entries, but also reflections on what we were talking about earlier, like how can an institution engage yeah. um, and mediate like ideas and art for like constituents that are both physically nearby and then also rem- remote. And so her her writing and her work has been really influential on me. We had her here last year as a visiting curator. And it was, I think it was really transformative for the students and those who were, those who were around to, to engage um, with her and her, I, her ideas. Um, and so, you know, that and like also the, the late, Oquion Weezer, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I think his work has always been amazing around particularly like the group exhibition and like how yeah. that can be a, 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 a communicated position and um, mm. be such also a very creative outlet, but, but also to bring together a selection of work by a selection of art, selection of work by artists to, to make an argument. Um, because often right. like curating and like it's an argument that in, through design for you and others that yeah. we're making. And, yeah. and I think that he, his, his, not only his exhibitions, but his writing really like unravels that. Um, and I mean, I grew, I, I don't say I grew up, but like, you know, people like Foucault and, um, you know, I <laughs> yeah. grew a kind yeah. of like, Again, going back to like the structural situation, I think by you know going through Baudrillard and like Henri Lefebvre yeah. and like um, Julia Kristeva and others and yeah. James Butler, yeah, like yeah, those yeah, yeah. figures, while they're still all very challenging um, to 
you know, decipher, like dipping into those, particularly like when minds are forming and you're, it's such a, I don't know, it can be really um, exhilarating, I think. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, I, that last group of names that you mentioned, many of them, you know, Baudrillard I had read um, before, but many of those names I didn't, I wasn't introduced to until I was in grad school. And it just like completely, you know, spending half of my time in philosophy classes and half of them in design classes, just like completely <laughs> we rewired my brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you on, on all of those recommendations. Yeah, yeah, amazing. I would love to like do all that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I I've sometimes feel like so much of my work post-grad school has just been trying to recreate the grad school mm-hmm. <laughs> experience is how I've described it to people. I know. I would love to duplicate myself so that like you and others who are interested in this, we could all just kind of have a regular like reading, reading yes. group because... I encounter a number of people who also just like, how do we like somehow carve out time and also maybe another life or something that we're able to as adults to sit through and like focus on these ideas and stuff. So I know it would yeah. be, it would be nice. <laughs> that is the mm-hmm. dream. <laughs> um, James, thank you so much. This was such a fascinating conversation. I feel like you've given me so many new ways to think about things. Um, and so this has been such a pleasure. Thank you for being on oh, the podcast. Oh, you're more than welcome. And thanks so much for the interest in my work and also for just doing the podcast. It's such a, yeah, like I said, oh, yeah. amazing, amazing resource. This episode was recorded on September 4th, 2019. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and at scratchingthesurface.fm. Thanks for listening.